welcome back to another episode of Reliability Boombox. Thank you everyone for joining us. Proudly brought to you by Reliability Extranet, group of companies. Welcome back, Seven. Good to have you here. Thanks, Dane. Great to be here. <laughs> we were chatting a little um, offline before about a few different things, and I, I had an idea spark, sparked my mind the other day, or actually just a little earlier this afternoon. But I thought we'd actually do a little five-part series and we'd talk about reliability engineering. And we yeah. know that you've written an awesome little book there called The Five Habits of an Extraordinary Reliability Engineer, yeah. which we know you are. You know, there's a lot of people out there. And I want to talk <laughs> about those five yeah. steps. So yeah. we'll start in a minute with a bit of a summary. But I'm going to throw a few extra little questions to you around that and we'll sort of want to bring it into how that benefits the rest of the business because i think yep. from my experience you go to certain places and it's like oh it's a reliability engineer oh what are they good for <laughs> oh yeah okay he just kind of does that and yeah we've talked about it before the reliability engineer becomes a pain in the ass to the mate it's yeah manager and pain in the ass to the production and it's like oh what are you <laughs> doing you get to stop and stuff again so yes. it's interesting dane that you mentioned that I say to people, I'm a reliability engineer, and, and most people like that are not in heavy industrial space, mm. right? Don't even know what that is. What's a, what sort of engineer are you? Okay. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I know you're an engineer, but what's a reliability engineer do? Right? Seven, so, I think I said that to you when we first met at uni. <laughs> <laughs> what does a reliability engineer do? <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, but yeah. it, it is. It's it's niche, isn't it? It's it's quite it's. It's a specialist role and it's not, you know, for every sort of 10, engineer, 10 engineers, you might have one reliability engineer in, yep. in, in the heavy industrial space. And if it's not in heavy industrial, it's not, not really specialised. It's, yeah. it's basically a given for other engineers to understand reliability Rel as a part of their day-to-day -day job. Yeah, all the maintenance people do it. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. which leads me to where I got sparked the idea from. Yeah, is I had a conversation with some clients of ours the other day, and they were struggling to fulfil their roles and realised that they're actually now more asset manager roles, but they're still being titled reliability engineers, and they're not getting the time to do the reliability stuff. And no one in the organisation really knows what they should have been doing as a reliability side of things so i wanted to get into that i wanted to dive into you know the five habits of an extraordinary reliability engineer yep and to sort of break down how that benefits where that can fit and give a real explanation of it so yeah first up give us the the shortened version of the five little steps of an extraordinary five little steps yeah yep. so so there's habit, habit one, two, three, four, and five. So habit one is identify. Habit two is understand. Habit three is question. Habit four is decide with data. And habit number five, let's get my little hashies in here. Habit number five is facilitate to implement. To implement, 
and you want to be doing spend most of your time here in habit five right and but mm. all of those lead to that habit mm. okay yep all of those lead to that habit right eh? so if i go I'll, I'll get my little laser pointer thing here so if i go identify see if i draw on that it stays it so if i go identify what that means is that you as a reliability engineer, one of the habits is that you're constantly identifying areas of improvement or problems. Okay. Yeah. That's just in, just in your DNA. That's what you do is you're constantly identifying things to improve. Mm. Okay. Number two, understand is all about understanding why those problems are occurring and having the skill set to be able to solve those problems. Okay. So because you understand them, you solve them. Right there. Habit three is all around, oh, lost me a little point thing. Habit three is all about questioning what you're doing, okay? And in the book, I give a framework on how a machine should run that I learned from a, a lovely guy called Wayne Bissett. And if you don't have your machines running to this framework, you basically don't, won't have a reliable organization. <laughs> okay, right. so question, 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 yep. question what you do. Decide with data. Is, is habit number four and what that is all about is and i had this um conversation actually um yesterday um is that we as reliability engineers and you know essentially engineers in general in the australian term of it right um we don't actually spin spanners or, mm. or wrenches sorry for our international people we don't spin <laughs> spanners or turn turn wrenches okay so our commodity or the thing that we use, okay, to get people to say yes is data, okay? Mm -hmm. So we need to be able to decide with data. And, yeah. and again, along those similar sort of lines, facilitate to implement, okay? Yeah. So we are, as reliability engineers, the glue in getting things done. We're yeah. the enablers not necessarily the doers mm -hmm. we support the people that do okay yep. as an engineer um supports his his clients um so we're in a similar sort of thing where we facilitate to implement but if you're an on-site reliability engineer your stakeholders um are obviously management the technical specialists and the people spinning the spanners the tradesmen or the or, or mm -hmm. the craftsmen doing the work yep. so we need to be able to facilitate action with all of those people. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So I, I, I love the framework. I, I love the book and the way it's been put together and, and the simplicity of it and <laughs> the information that you got that, that comes behind it. I think that's really, really important. And for me, when I first jumped in the role as a reliability engineer, it was all new to me and it was all, I had a little project that I had to, sort through but i did start to witness all these things and it was it was interesting because i had your book and i just started following the process from your book and i was like oh yeah okay I, I see why this works you know and and starting to you know identify what the issue was understand the issue ask the questions of the right people and i think the questions one is probably one of my favorite sections and my favorite one because 
I think it's really important that we do ask the critical questions and mm-hmm. we ask questions of both sides, mm-hmm. which relates, r- relates highly to the facilitating to implement. Now, when you're in such a role, it's very important that you ask the questions of, as you mentioned before, the technical team, yes. you know, the, pe- the, the technicians that are spinning the, the wrenches or twisting the pliers or spinning the screwdrivers, however you need to look at it. <laughs> Electrician. <laughs> uh, spanners. I'm spanners. mechanical. We use spanners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is wrenches for everyone else. for everyone else. <laughs> yeah. but um, that's an Australian thing. Yeah. But then you also have to articulate that. Yes. You know, it's like you're the, the little piece in the middle. And I think this is yes. why I actually really enjoyed my time doing that because I always like talking to management, understanding and identifying what the problem or concern mm. they had what was, you know, taking the time to understand it, and then going and asking the questions of the technical team and the maintenance team and, and the, the production team on how that might affect them because yep. they're important too, you know, and, and taking the time to ask the questions, collecting all that data, as you pointed out, and then making a decision and then facilitating it to implement so really engaging everyone in the implementation process yeah and i can see how if we educate engineers and reliability engineers to to do this in the sense it's very much you're in it's a very inclusive role it's a very holistic role Mm -hmm. like you said like you're facilitating to implement you you're asking the questions of both parties you're in the middle you're kind of the glue in the sandwich because yes. often in organizations, and I think you and I have both sat in them, been in them, worked with them um, <laughs> from time to time, we see that the technicians are here. Mm-hmm. Let's go here, we're going a lateral line, and the management's over here. And then you have an engineer maybe in the middle in some environments that's looking yep. after a whole bunch of assets, a whole bunch of other bits and pieces, yep. and trying to make sure the maintenance schedules are all in place. But if for whatever reason there's there's nothing there to stick them together, it doesn't yeah. quite work. Yes. Yep. Yep. I was gonna. I was. I was actually gonna draw a picture of something like this, Dane. As 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 as, as you're talking, this is this is what goes in my head. Yeah. I, I, I think it, I think in pictures, and then I draw them. Um, <laughs> so if you so you have your management up the top here, right? Yeah. You might have your piece of plant in the middle here. So your yep. management's over, overseeing here. You got your plant in the middle. Yeah. You've got your people that actually work on the plant. I'm going to I'm going to say your technicians, as you said. I'll draw them here. Yep. And then you've got your specialists over here, or your scientists, as I call them in the book. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sitting over here, and they're all in, they're all relying. There's a good word. Relying <laughs> upon <laughs> on, on, on this piece of plant. Okay. And if I was to draw where we sit, right, if I was to draw where we sit, now, that's the bottom just there, right? Yep. <laughs> that's the bottom just there. We we actually sit, I'm actually going to draw it as a colour, right in there. Yeah. Where we have to interact <clears throat> with all of these different people involved in the plant, whether they're managing the plant, fixing the plant, so these fixing, mm-hmm. right? And, and these guys here are, you know, supporting, if you want to call it that. And yep. and, and essentially, we, we've got to coordinate all of the activity 
between each of these different mm. stakeholders. That's a good word. <laughs> stakeholders. Mm. You know, and obviously a lot of organisations rely upon the plant to produce products. So, you know, you've got, while this is all happening, we're still making our products and, and we're trying to do that for the lowest unit cost possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd actually yeah. argue a little bit against that um, <laughs> in that we should be trying to get the lowest unit cost when we're finished with the plant. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll digress. So let's talk about, I think that's a perfect picture. I think it's a really good picture of where reliability engineering sort of mm-hmm. sits. Mm-hmm. And like I said at the beginning, I want to start to create over this time, over the next five podcasts or so, that that understanding of the reliability engineer's role, how it supports mm-hmm. and benefits the other people in the team. Yeah. So obviously, we'll dive a lot into that, and that will really be the clincher in the, in the facilitating to implement and probably in the questioning in my mind. But let's talk about identifying. Let's talk uh-huh. about identifying... The, the problem so give us a little synopsis or of of what you're talking about in the book for those that may not have read it um mm-hmm. if you can just give us a little bit of a sort of a, synop- a synopsis and then i'm sure i'll come up with some questions about it there i've already got a couple <laughs> right so it's all about continually identifying problems and 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 what i recommend is that as a team we get together on a routine basis to actually talk about those problems that have been identified. Okay. Mm-hmm. So us as a reliability engineer or reliability person should facilitate <laughs> that meeting. In fact, um, uh, I've, I've been known to do all the data analysis as well, have it forward, decide with data. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we facilitate this process in the organization from a reliability point of view. And people will probably be saying, hold on, that sounds like a production engineer. Well, you'd be close. You'd be absolutely Mm. close. Right. So the production engineer focuses on the actual production process and reliability engineers actually focus more on the plant itself. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the the production engineers um, use the plant to produce product and there's a process around that and they control the process. That process may well be driven by the plant. Well, it should. Well, it normally is because <laughs> yep. because you know we've only got these two hands. We have to build tools to to yep. to make things, and so the, you know we've got that dependency. If, if you know if a production engine, if a production engineer is is involved, we work with the production engineers. Now, if I was to put that into a, if I was to put that model in an OEE point of view, so OEE overall equipment effectiveness is equal to availability times rate times quality. So us as reliability engineers work in the availability zone. The people, the uh, production engineers work typically in this zone. Okay. Mm. There is a crossover. There is a crossover because a reliability problem can cause a loss of rate. Okay. So mm-hmm. there's like a there's like a crossover sort of here. If you yep. want to call it that, that's another neat drawing, isn't it? <laughs> There's another neat drawing. Some people would probably argue that we could cause a quality issue as well. Yeah, if the machine's not working, probably you could be having a whole heap of a whole heap of rejection. 
Yep. So that's where we sit when it when it comes to production and the relationship with production. Having said that, I've seen production engineers actually be reliability engineers as well. Mm. Right? Okay. I've seen mechanical engineers be reliability engineers. I've seen maintenance managers be reliability engineers. Mm-hmm. Okay? So by default, most organisations, this is what I've noticed in Australia, if you haven't got a reliability engineer on staff, it's the maintenance manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or he, he can delegate. But essentially, yep. getting back to identify, <clears throat> it, now I'm talking about who's identifying problems. Who's identifying yes. problems. Right, eh? So in all of those roles that I that I mentioned, the maintenance manager, the production engineer, um, mechanical engineers, and, and, and whatnot, in each of those in each of those roles, there's a reliability piece because we need reliable equipment to actually do what we do. Yep. And it doesn't have to be the reliability engineer. If there isn't one, it's got to be someone else. But the key point is that you actually have a process in place where you continually identify problems. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep. You have a process in place where you continually identify problems. And there's two types of problems, right? One, big bangs. Yep. Okay, so we all know about the big bangs that get all the attention, the plants broke, no production, everyone's running around with their hair on fire, and as you can see, I haven't got a lot of hair left. (laughs) (laughs) Too many big Uh, bangs. Too many big bangs. (laughs) Well, the knowledge has gone into that book now, uh, (laughs) and you can see how much there is. Uh, (laughs) And so there's the big bangs, and then there's chronic issues. So Mm. what I talk about is what in the book what that is what they are and you should be constantly identifying those things because they, the chronic issues if you don't address the chronic issues um they'll lead into a big thing and it's only a matter of time so mm-hmm. while the, while they're small it's better for them to address it whilst it's small yep mm. yeah yeah awesome so that awesome process that process of identifying should be communicated with the team on a routine basis. So the results of that process, so there's a process in itself of identifying what the problems are. You're going to need to uh-huh. use some data to, data to do that. Yep. And, and all of these different people that are um, all about managing the plant need to be involved in that process because mm. out of that process, you make a decision, Right to which ones you're going to understand. Yes. So that led me into my my memory bank. And yes. I, I, again, I think the, the client that we, we that I spoke to the other day is the one that's brought all this to my mind. Um, I got identifying the, the, the problem as such. Now, some people may say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong in, in going on my little journey, my little story. Yeah. But some people may say that in smaller organizations or smaller engineering firms and so forth that, or, or production lines where the maintenance manager or the production manager is also the reliability man, engineer. You know, engineer, yeah. Uh, yep. They've got so many other problems that it can sometimes be a bit overwhelming. Yes. 
it can be very overwhelming into which where where to start. It's like walking into a you know, your house when the kids have been home on their own for yeah. five hours and <laughs> yeah. completely gone nuts and you're like, yeah. where do I start with tidying up because they've gone out and I can't strangle them into doing it just yeah. yet. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it can sometimes be overwhelming. Yes. And I think by using some data and identifying potential areas, and like you said, then involving those other key stakeholders mm-hmm. I'll go in back to the journey. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So involving the technicians, involving the scientists and the management team in, they can help you to identify which path to focus on first because we can't do everything and we can't do everything at once. And it's there's two things that I've witnessed in business, in engineering, in, in production lines is that people either get overwhelmed and do nothing mm-hmm. or they get overwhelmed and then do a lot at the wrong thing. Yep. They focus too much on the thing that isn't most important to the business. They mm-hmm. might think of, on, on what they believe Yes. Is most important. Or yes. it might be something that they know yes. would would help. Though it might not be the most important thing for the overall business. Yes. So to me, part of that identifying process it is very important that we do start to build that communication and that um, going back and forth with the with the right parties. Yeah, and Pro- I'm going to use the word process. Yeah, it's a process. It is. It's a process, yeah. and it's, it's and it's replicable. It's replicable. <laughs> so yeah, yes. replicable. Yeah. And you do it, do it time and time again. And I remember yes. you and yeah. I were both working together at um, a company to support and, and and build a reliability framework. You know, build yeah. a, a reliability mindset as one of your um, good friends once laid out to me in a little meeting I had with him a couple of weeks ago. He's working with an organization up here that we're talking with and that we work with as well. And he's trying to build a reliability mindset about Mm -hmm. business. He's a CEO. He comes from a reliability background Mm -hmm. and he Mm -hmm. understands the critical importance of it. Mm -hmm. So then it's about getting your reliability engineer or whoever's fitting that role, whoever's that little yellow bit of highlighted section focusing in on the, the plan. In, yes, in the center, yeah. Yep. Is it's really important that he has good communication skills and can ask the right questions and talk to management, technicians, and scientists. Yeah. Yep. So I, I, I call it the hard side and the soft side of reliability. The hard side is all the technical numbers, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. The soft side is the communications piece. Yeah. This is what you're yeah. just talking about. You're talking to me, that's what's going through my head. There's two <laughs> <laughs> so I'll draw yeah. I'll draw I'll draw another picture here. There's like the classic seesaw. Yeah. <laughs> There's the hard the hard side, which is like the academic stuff that you learn at university, all the tools yeah. and techniques and numbers and all that all that sort of stuff. And then there's yeah. the soft side. Yeah. And okay. like you've got them there, I love that you put them on a scale because they are both very important. Now, 
I would certainly say that my skill set is more on the soft side of things. Mm -hmm. I understand the hard side. That takes work for me. Right? Yes. But the soft side of things and the communicating is easier. Yes. So, in my experience, I work on communicating to collect and identify the problem. Yep. More so. And then I collect the data and then I spend a bit of time working really hard on on the hard side. Yes. Um, and and I'm gonna I'm just gonna add to that. In my experience, the people that are good at the soft side succeed. Huh? As reliability there you go. engineers. There you go. In my experience. I made a really good I, one once upon a time. <laughs> <laughs> the guys with the hard side, right, because they're good at the hard side, tend to forget about the soft side. The communications yep. and, and, and stuff like that because this is where their their interest is. However, yes. however, doing the numbers doesn't deliver a result. Making a change delivers a result. Okay? Yes. yes. Deliver okay. Until you deliver a result, i.e. Mm -hmm. you make a change and you're either changing the plant, the process. Mm -hmm. Well, the people, and you yep. notice I, I ordered it. <laughs> the plant is te highly technical. The yep. process is can be technical, but it also is driven by the people. Yeah. So this and is like if you hard, hard to soft. Hardness. Yep. <laughs> Medium to soft. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So so what I've found is that the people that concentrate like the seesaws bent one way if the seesaw is going down this way i find that they don't succeed as a reliability engineer or or um you know i've, I've seen highly highly technical guys that are really really good at numbers right be sat in the corner providing the people that are really good at the soft side the the information i've seen that happen too yeah. right on large teams but um yeah in in, in the, the Cut a long story short, you need both. Yeah, you, you and do it's need a balance. both, and it is a, it is a balance, and it is certainly understanding where your strengths and where your weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. And I think it's there's nothing wrong with that. And I too, and and again, a scenario for you and I that you and I were both involved in. We saw in a particular area the reliability role was a new thing for this mm -hmm. organization. They really wanted to set someone aside to, to give that their full responsibility so they weren't distracted by maintenance and other things. Mm -hmm. And the people there were very technical. Yes. They were very, very technical. And they were very hesitant on the soft side. So mm -hmm. when we got them to, okay, you guys have done all the data analysis and you've identified, because we're talking about identifying these potential problems, they wanted to run with it. They wanted to yes. just go and start fixing those problems. Yes. What we reminded them of and what we trained them in doing was the soft side and actually yes. speaking to the other guys and getting the other members on board with what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you can put a work order on the system, but if people don't understand what that work order is all about, will it get done? No. Nah. Will it get prioritized? No. Nah. <laughs> yep. And, and, and if, I if, if I remember rightly, and if it's the people that I'm thinking that you're talking about, because, <laughs> you know, this is yep. totally unscripted, 
I think in that conversation we had with those two <laughs> was yep. that I think we need to go to speak to this person. Yes. I think we had that conversation. Yeah, right now. I know who we're talking yep. about now. We need to actually get out and speak to this person. Where Where is his office? Where's his office? Yeah. Where's we, his we office? got up. We Let's go. Home. Let's go. Let's go. And they're like, <laughs> mm. like yeah. And, and then when we spoke to that person, he really appreciated the heads up that we had found that particular issue and yep. we were going to call upon him for some answers. Mm. I think if, 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 I'm, if I'm remembering the right conversation. 100%. That we had then, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And you and, even and, reminded and, me a part of it. Yeah. 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 And and he, if I remember rightly, this particular person was a highly highly technical person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he appreciate he actually appreciated the time and the heads up that he was about to be put on the spot because we had discovered something. Yes, yes. Mm. And that's that's one of the important things is when you do identify a potential problem and. and it comes down to that soft side and that soft element. You do mm. go and speak to the people that are involved. Yeah. And I think, as you said, that we have engineers, and, and don't get me wrong, I work with a lot of engineers, and we're all different. You know, like yep. I said, I've owned the fact that the hard side, the technical, detailed side for me, isn't always my jam. You know, mine's the soft side. I'm more kinesthetic i feel into things i understand but i respect the details Mm -hmm. and if we can then you know like we get people that are very technical very detailed if you put them in a situation where you drag them into a meeting and you get told that there's a problem and it's with your side of things they're going to be upset yeah and they're going to get defensive defensive and they're going to say, "No, you don't know what I'm on. You don't know what's going on, and you're going to mirror." It. And they're not going to be on your side. So even mm-hmm. though you've identified a problem, and I will also probably point out, I've experienced some people that are very good at the at the hard side. We'll just call it the hard, the soft side. For it. Hard side. Um, it's like it's like the dark, dark side. The, the, the dark star, side. Out of Star Wars, the hard <laughs> side and the soft side. <laughs> <laughs> people that are very good at the hard side. Yeah. That would also deliver an issue very bluntly themselves. Yes. They're also the ones that go, on, well, you did this. It's like, oh, no, hang on. But if you come into a sense of, of giving them pe- person the heads up and like this example that you're talking about, this guy was very technical. You've gone to him and said, hey, in identifying some potential problems, we've identified this to be a key problem. Yeah, we believe this is something that we need to focus on. We believe you have some information that may help us yep. in moving forward, and we want to work with you on this. Give them a chance to comment, answer. Yep, agree. Okay, we're going to bring this up at our meeting, at our weekly forum, at our monthly forum, at our whatever it is. Defect elimination meeting, continuous yep. improvement meeting. Um, um, workshop, forum, workshop, forum yeah, like, whatever, yeah. whatever it is, and we're going to get the team to decide that we wanted you to know that this is coming up. Mm-hmm. That gives them the time and space to step back, to breathe and go, oh, okay, 
all right, it's not a personal attack. It's not, you know, mudslinging festival. It's just, okay, this is a fact. And I've got some information to support that. And the guys have come to me and we can all work together as a team. Yep. All of a sudden you're playing as a team and you're working in that space. Yes. And the same could be with production. So if you wanted to tie that across to, you know, the production guys, like if it's, you know, identifying a failure on a on a fan or something that's going to slow production down in the processing plant or on a motor you can actually go to the production team and say this is a potential problem that's coming yep. up we're going to work to fix it but we want to know what you've got to share about that yep then you're giving them a heads up on the problem everyone talks about like in, in the heavy industrial space usually Usually, um, you know, there's these planned windows of opportunity yeah. when the when the plant's going to go down, right? Yeah. And and you know, you've probably been on the receiving end of something like this, where you know it's it's hard. You can't yeah. change these dates. Yeah. You, know, you can't move these things around because of X, Y, Z, one, two, three. Talk to the right people. Oh yeah, there's a little bit of flexibility there. We can move this sort of over here. We can have a little one here, and then we can go into the big one, and we can short this one up. You know, it's all the about having conversation. The conversation. Hey, yeah. this is the need, right? Or this is the problem. This is the need. What can we do about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. And when we do go in, and and I think we're going to segue into the next. <clears throat> habit of yours which is understand right which i think we'll talk a little bit more about next week but like you said once you've identified the problem and in this situation like you said there's a short window Mm -hmm. you know but i've seen it too many times like the reliable engineer goes we need to do this maintenance it needs to be done in the next window and it's like okay well here's your window no i need it done sooner otherwise it's gonna fail well that's your window yeah and, and discussion. It's like, or, and you get people going, Arr. whereas if you went in more on the softer side and you're able to actually say, hey, there's a potential failure on this piece of equipment. What yep. do you know about it? What windows do we have? Because yep. we need to look into a little bit further. We need to understand and actually do some work. Or what options do we have around getting to it? Yep. What options? What options? Love and they're like, oh, well, well, this is like, okay. And if you continue to understand, mm. you know, how the machine works, what the machine does, what area it supports, you know, and, and just by asking those questions, I certainly found in my experience, I had very similar experience. And as you said that, it reminded me um, we had to change out the silos on some varial speed drives. And certain windows... Same thing. We were given this window. We were given this window. No, you got 24 hours. Yeah. We need a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Like technically we're going to try and do this, but well, no, no. So, okay, well, what, what does it drive? What does it do? And by simply asking some questions and going around and talking to not only the, the owners of this machine, the people that drove it and told you when we could turn it off, we talked to the technicians that were actually doing the work and getting everyone involved, we actually found other little windows to 
complete the project. Yes, the technicians. The technicians, the scientists and the managers. Yeah. And I think it's really important that in identifying the problems and, and understanding the opportunities that we do learn how to talk to all the people. Yes. And we do well, I think I think rather than talking to all the people, we do the identification together. Yes. I think that's a like everyone like I know that example we talked about before, that was a biggie and we we're introducing it to people and you know, yeah. and a little bit of common courtesy there as well. But yeah. together together as a team, okay, so Together as a team, we all agree that this is the problem that we need to work on. We have identified the problem that we're going to work on as a team. Yeah. Okay. And we're all in, I'm going to use this word. I used this before violent agreement. <laughs> that's how, we, that's, that's, uh, that's yeah. how we're going to move forward. That's what we're doing. Um, that's where yeah, we're going. That's what we're doing. This is what we need to do. And that's that's all about having one, mate. Identify. Yeah. Now, I, I certainly agree, and I think it's a really good outline of one of the key steps in in having a good reliability team. You know? yeah. and, and I'll say team because even if you've got one reliability engineer or they're just a part, it's a part of their role, getting a, some kind of reliability mindset, especially when you've got heavy machinery or when you've got any kind of machinery. You know? uh, exactly. Um. Plan or equipment. or equipment or yeah. infrastructure. Yeah. Um, all, all, the, all of it, like if, if your machines and, you know, we work in the industrial space and everyone yeah. has machines, the machines are making the dollars. Yeah. Right? The people might be driving the machines, right? Yeah. But essentially the machines are doing the work under the, under the human's control. Every one of these people in this little circle of influence <laughs> right, mm. have a vested interest in reliability. Yeah, they have to by default. Yeah, mm. and it, and if they don't per se, it's probably because they don't understand why. But it's a very easy thing to explain. It's a very easy thing in my mind to help people understand what, why you need a reliability. You know, or have someone invested in reliability and okay. i say that just because you might get technicians that just work on things like i don't know we just got to work on it. it's like yeah but you want to make it as reliable as you can so it runs better and the, the thing produces right and, and oh, you're yeah. not getting call, called out at three o'clock in the morning you're not getting called out it. at three o'clock in the morning to go and fix it <laughs> yeah you know, exactly because you don't want it it's like yeah, yeah that's a good point um yeah so they got a, they've got an interest in reliability they do hmm. that's it it's actually just pointing out to them that they do you know and I often use the analogy of your motor vehicle. Mm. You care that your motor vehicle actually works and it works well enough to get you to and from wherever you want to go, right? You have an invested interest in reliability because yeah. you make sure that you put fuel in your car. You make sure that you get it serviced regularly enough that it's got decent tires um, and it's operating. And I think last podcast we talked about me flying. Me as a pilot yes. has a vested interest in reliability, <laughs> reliability. because yeah. you know the risk of of something bad happening um, yep. in that situation when you haven't got uh, any more thrust, uh, yes. <laughs> as in the engine, the worry, the, the worry isn't stops. <laughs> yeah, the yep. yeah. 
uh, significantly rises. And, and, you know, and then you've got, you know, if you're 8,000 feet up in the air and you've got no engine, it's only a matter of time before you've got to come down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you know, you're going to strike the ground at some point in time. So yep. it's then up to you to strike the ground in a controlled sense or an uncontrolled yep. sense. <laughs> now exactly. we don't want to. We don't want to strike the. We don't want to strike the ground no. in an uncontrolled sense. It usually ends bad. Yeah. <laughs> and and so you know, me as an operator of an airplane has an interest in reliability, and you know, we do stuff around that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's just important that we do help everyone um, understand they do have an interest in the reliability and. So whoever's role it is, like if that is your role, but it's also your maintenance. You know, you're also the maintenance manager, you're also the production manager, or even if you even if you're a technician, even if you're an electrician in there, but you care so much about it, you can help drive this through. You yep. can help be a part of it in the sense of being and I'll just throw an example out there and, and I've seen it at a couple of sites, but if you're an electrician, you actually care. Like, I want to make my job easier, right? I don't want to be going down and just going to breakdowns all the time and so forth. And I could do the plan maintenance. I could just tick all the boxes and follow the, the bits and pieces. I actually care enough and I'm going to read through and go, well, actually, I think there's a problem with this. Yeah. I mean, instead of just going to the manager and going, look, there's a problem with this and it needs to be redone and expecting them to redo it is to actually gather some information identify the potential problem, have a chat with some people about it and talk to the specialists, talk to other engineers, do some research. So if it's a planned maintenance task, you might look into some standards and some information, gather a little bit of information, talk to the managers, then offer, you know, at least get them to identify that is a problem as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting, is one, isn't it? It <laughs> Identify. is. Identify. Identify. <laughs> yeah. But, no matter who you are. Yeah. So mm. then you've got the opportunity and you're most likely going to be given, like if you're that electrician that's actually going, and I've seen it, then you've got to go, hey, this is this is a potential problem, you know, and I've talked to this, I've done this. The more information you sort of go with and the more consensus you have from other people, buy-in, the more likely you're going to get given the little project to go, hey, go and fix that. Mm. Yeah. And you can walk away at the end of the day going, hey, I actually got to improve this and improved our system and improved my life because it made my job easier. Okay. And simpler. Hmm. So, yeah, I think identifying it is a magic term. I don't want to get carried away with, with going on to the other ones. Because I keep thinking, okay, now we've got to do it for like, let's understand. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, and, it, and and what I found is it sort of, they sort of roll together. They'll yeah. progress one to the other is, is what I found yeah. in my experience. But we'll, we'll do that next time, mate. We'll get into the understand next time. <laughs> we will. We will. So I hope awesome. you guys have got something from that. I hope it's really helped to sort of paint the picture of where reliability sits uh, in organisations. And it doesn't matter whether it, it you know, like we said, there's all sorts of areas that it fits into. I mean, whether you're a big plant or a small plant or whether you're just a small operation itself, even a farm, you know, um, it, farmers and so forth need to rely on their, their tractors, need to rely on their, their equipment, and all their mm-hmm. bits, their equipment. Mm-hmm. So 
they still have an invested interest in this. And just understanding how you can look at this in a different sense, you know, you can identify your problems and then go through to understanding and, and so forth and questioning and, and decide with data and then facilitating, which again we'll talk a lot more about. But I hope you've got a good understanding of that. I hope that you start to see the importance of identifying and the importance of including everyone in the process in identifying. And links to where do you get this thing from now because it's uh, changed. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. You'll see some links come up soon on where to get the book because the book has uh, is out. It's out globally now. Um, you'll see some of them in the links below and in the show notes. But if you have any questions, certainly follow us, hit us up. Uh, remember to hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, give us feedback, give us comments. That always helps it get us out there. And remember that we're just here to share, here to share some yeah. information, knowledge, and um, that's what we enjoy doing. So thanks again, Seven. Always a pleasure. Thank you. With Thank you. you. <laughs> and uh, we'll chat again next week for understanding. And hey, you're going to get a heads up on what we're doing for the next five weeks. How's this for that's not usually how we roll. No, that's anyway. right. <laughs> we have fun. We do. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. See you then. <laughs>